Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com. I, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, am an unqualified success. wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kicked every one of their asses. The fraud, the messing with me. What's your secret? More than any one quality that makes me the successful man that I am. Ruthless aggression. So I want to know here tonight, as you stand here on my ring, which one of you has that quality? Who among you has that one single ingredient? Who has enough? North South Connection, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. I am your host, Jake. We are starting another pay-per-view cycle here. Um, we'll be heading to Bad Blood 2003. Um, a very famous pay-per-view, beloved by some for uh, the song involved. But I've managed somehow to find someone to join me on this trek for this entire month uh, of TV and the pay-per-view. And uh, it's rare at this stage in the game that I get somebody new after 70-some-odd episodes that I get a um, uh, someone new on the pod who's never done it. But I do, and uh, he this would, should be more the uh, the Ruthlessly Charming podcast, given this guest, because my guest is Keith Langston. Keith, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Jake? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. We're, we're off of Judgment Day. We're, uh, we're moving headstrong into bad blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad. Yeah, it was it was great talk watching these two episodes, uh, Raw and SmackDown, because we have Stone Cold and it's co. He, he's not Sheriff Stone Cold yet. He's he's co-general manager, and I love that era of where he comes out and he's just he's just brazen hell as the general manager of Raw. <laughs> I love it. Right. So let me ask you, since you're you're mentioning kind of your feelings on on this era already, and I, it's rare I get to ask this question, like I said, because I don't. 
off the get. Usually, by at this point, it's somebody who's been on before. But I'll ask you, what? Um, now I know you're a bit of you're an old school fan, right? For mm-hmm. the most part. But yeah. in this era, were you still locked in in this ruthless aggression era by 03? Were you watching Raw every week? What was your What was your status as a WWE fan? It was probably. It, it was probably watching Raw a lot more than SmackDown. Um, it, it's kind of been this, believe it or not, it's really been, I think, the same pretty much since the end of the Attitude Era, where it's been mm-hmm. like, I usually catch Raw for most, or at least the first half, if not the whole show, most weeks. And then I always go, like my wrestling website that I go to to read the results, I usually always read the SmackDown results. And then um, in this day and age well in this era where they were taping them on tuesdays mm-hmm. i believe it was kind of fun to oh all right that seems like something cool so i'll make sure i go and i check that on friday or thursday nights you know so that was kind of how i used to handle it but uh no i mean i like this era i mean i'm still i've been locked in for years and i still thoroughly enjoy the product and uh, i was cool with the brand split once they did that i was cool with you know, the different eras of all the GMs and stuff. I mean, I remember watching the night that Eric Bischoff came back. I remember watching when Austin came in. I remember, like I said, I remember when he was Sheriff Austin. You know, the Stephanie McMahon era, then the Teddy Long era. And even when Vince was running it and running SmackDown and Flair was running Raw. So, I mean, I I've kept I kept up with it throughout the years, even though I was... By this point in my 20s and getting in, you know, I was getting into trouble all the time. So it was just <laughs> so Mondays and Thursdays were you home anyway. So it was always fun to catch up on wrestling and stuff like that. Perfect. You, you seem a little positive, which is probably a good thing. You may, you may balance this out as I've been a bit down on it recently. Like we're, we're fairly down on Judgment Day as a pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Maybe some positivity. Maybe I'm just too, too in the in the weeds after doing this for whatever seventy something episodes. Well, I think it's it's also one of those things. See, this is so it's really funny. I actually, I'm a secret fan of of '95 WWF. I mean, okay. not really secret anymore. I've told more. I've told enough people that it's probably a, a flaw now. But I, I mean, <laughs> I I always I do find the positivity in in the stuff I always try to find, you know, the diamond in the rough or, you know, making chicken salad kind of thing, because I think there are moments to pull from, I mean, this is the, I believe. Right. And I mean, this is where that all comes from where, I mean, SmackDown was the work show and raw Mm -hmm. was the entertainment show. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the, how the era went for a long time. I mean, there's not a ton. I kind of felt that way. Like after, the golden era when it went into the new generation where it was like, you you thought you were going to get like an easy transition from one into the other. And then it was like the old guard just left, you know, and now you were Mm -hmm. stuck with trying to build the new guard. I kind of feel like this is almost the same way where it's like, Austin's not wrestling anymore. The rock is kind of gone. Mick Foley's gone. You still have the undertaker, but he's in that, you know, dead man ink kind of thing. You know, it's, it's this whole new generation that the only one that's been around since, that really counted in the attitude era is triple H, you know? And it's just mm-hmm. like, in, did anybody love triple H? I mean, I did, but did anybody else, you know? So <laughs> I think that's why it's an interesting era because it's very similar to, I think how the age of the old, the golden era and then into the new generation. And a lot of people didn't love the new generation that much until it was gone, you know? So 
I kind of feel the same way of this. It's like history repeating itself. No, you're right. You definitely, I think, O2 was kind of transitioning to it, but I think now in O3, I think you're right. They're definitely in kind of this rebuilding where you still have a lot of the mainstays there. Like, you have these big names, but they're clearly trying to figure out like, who's going to be the stars of tomorrow. Like, they've got Brock, at least right. at this point. They think they've got him, you know, that yeah. he's their blue chipper for a while. And mm-hmm. you're kind of seeing them trying to bring up these other guys, like the Cena's of the world. And that's, you're yeah. right. That is kind of the draw of this. Even the shows aren't always like the greatest you've ever seen. It's, it's, it's never not interesting. I'll put it that yeah. way. Because yeah, yeah. You're, like you said, it's kind of bridging us to the, to the next era. But, mm-hmm. um, so I usually do news and notes. We don't really have anything of, I didn't really find anything that was too interesting of this. It, I mean, a lot of the news at this point, like if you read Meltzer or whatever is what we just, stumble onto anyway is just talking yeah. about like you know like who what guys they have coming in who's in ovw which we'll eventually get to as they come in but um if you're ready we will dive right in absolutely um, all right so we're hot off of judgment day we'll start with the may 19 2003 raw we are from greenville south carolina um mm-hmm. so still in flair country um uh gm austin opens per usual since he took over he puts over judgment day he tells that eric bischoff is off due to his hangover after puking at the pay-per-view <laughs> after eating too many uh hamburgers and drinking too many beers austin guarantees satisfaction he addresses the goldberg incident as we have a uh we had a bit of a cliffhanger here we have a mystery keith we're trying to figure out who tried to uh run goldberg down with the car you may have heard mm-hmm. this uh trope before and uh, he says that the guilty party will have to face Goldberg. Yes. Uh, then Triple H comes in. Um, we'll run down this whole. It's typical of Raw. We get like a 20-minute open. Uh, Triple H is here now. Uh, Austin, I love him not having time for Triple H's water spit. That popped me pretty good. He uh, he doesn't let him get his full entrance in. Yeah. He says he doesn't like that uh, Triple H thinks he's a big shot coming in to spit his water. Says he should have lost the title because he took a cheap way out, so he's going to have to wrestle a night. Triple H says that he's drunk, and he's also drunk with power because he refuses to wrestle because he's been beat up. Did he see what happened to him at Judgment Day? Austin says he can pick his opponent, but it has to be a former champ. So he lays out some options for him. It could be Kane. It could be HBK. It could be Chris Jericho. It could be Kevin Nash, who he faced last night. Uh, he pa- Triple H pauses for a second, thinks about it, and he decides uh, he's got a scheme here. And he picks Ric Flair, who is, of course, a former champion and his current manager. Um, he picks him as his, as his opponent. So um, it was a bit long-winded, but I thought the ending was interesting. This is definitely an intriguing matchup to see how they're going to handle this Flair. Because you kind of see where they're going with this. Um, like, you doubt that they're just going to have Flair go in and and lay down um i guess they could but you kind of get the sense that this is building to something so again a bit of a long-winded open but i kind of like what they ended on i did too I, it, you know i was actually <laughs> i was looking on i was watching scrolling through tiktok recently and i came across <laughs> just a, a video where it was i think it was during the flare uh maybe his his i don't know if his he had a whatever that thing is that they run every day, every week on A&E, his um, history of or whatever. But, and it was when it was, it was Triple H talking about how he's like, he's like Ric Flair. And he says, Ric Flair is the only guy in the room who doesn't realize he's Ric Flair. And (laughs) and I just, and I kind of was laughing at that because it really was true. Like 
this is I remember I've heard this several several times from from several different people in wrestling where they said like when Flair came back he really had zero self esteem in his abilities and zero self esteem in his work and I it's like God is he not the most depressing professional athlete <laughs> he's just <laughs> he really thinks he's like wor- worthless and it's I'm like the guy's Ric Flair you know like he's like he's on everybody's list if not everybody's number one he's on everybody's list of greatest of all time so I kind of I kind of like this little uh, you know stipulation here or this little match that started uh like you said we're in Flair country it's just down the street from his house or, you know, a few miles away from his house. And so I, I was, I was excited for it. I remember when it happened, watching it live being like, Oh, nice flip. I kind of thought for a heartbeat that they were going to actually let it happen. And I was like, Oh my God, that would have been so cool. But, uh, you know, that's for later on in the show, so to speak. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's a good hook to see because now we want to see how this will play out. So we mm-hmm. at least have Triple H doing something interesting here, which is good. Um, but we will we'll now head to our opening match. It's going to be the uh, the Dudleys versus Three Minute Warning. The recently mm-hmm. reunited Dudleys against the uh, somewhat reheated Three Minute Warning, um, who are kind of relegated to job or duty, honestly, at this point. Uh, so pretty basic stuff here. Devon gets quickly isolated. Three Minute Warning kind of no selling offense. They're not super fluid in this. Um, they've really kind of fallen off. I mean, they've shown some spurts of doing some cool stuff, but they're just, they're a little off, I found here. Devon gets the knees up on the Vader bomb by either, I forget who it was, Jamal or Rosie. Bubba gets the hot tag. Uh, Three-minute warning take back over, though. They cut off his hot tag. Rico throws in a table, which backfires because Rosie ends up taking the 3D after uh, Jamal splashes through the table as a, uh, one of the Dudleys moves off. So, uh, you know, it was fast, pretty much just a reason to get the Dudleys out there, get the tables. Three-minute warning, we're pretty much just fodder in this one. Um, they seemed to step slow. The 3D was good. I enjoyed that. I thought the splash of the table, the finish was pretty fun. I ended up going to pretty uh, basic two stars on this. And, of course, we end with, uh, I guess this could be the three-minute warning, Keith, because uh, Rico chews them out. He leaves. And, uh but at this point, they're they're so dead in the water. I don't know if any of the fans really care because they were gone for so long anyway. So yeah. this is kind of just something they've been moving towards anyway. But I guess maybe they're going to make it official with these guys. Yeah, I you, you said you went two. I I went a star mm-hmm. and a half actually, and the yeah. reason being is because, like you said, three minute warning. I, I mean, I loved it at one point. I think it was Lawler said like look at the size of these guys they look like they're you know just getting bigger and bigger by the day and i was like yeah man i didn't remember them being as big as they Mm -hmm. were like just heavy wise and i was like jesus so uh they moved around okay i did like the samoan drop that uh i believe it was jamal did because i think jamal ended up going on to become umaga and i think he did that as umaga which i think that was his setup to the spike there and Mm -hmm. uh you know i like that i like that move um, I'm always a, I'm a mark for, for Samoan teams anyway. I, I love the Samoan wrestlers and anytime they have them. And so I love watching them work and doing like that kind of Samoan style of wrestling. So that was good. Uh, the 3d was good. I think at the end, I liked how Jamal went through the table. <laughs> I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. good. I was laughing. Cause then I was like, Rosie, that's right. He becomes, he becomes the superhero in training and which I always loved. That was like, I always loved that gimmick, the superhero in training. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was, and the Dudleys are just, yeah, they're kind of going through the motions, and um, I felt like 
and then I started thinking about their run, and I went, wow, their run was really only like three or four years. And then they kind of – and in that time, they split them, right? Because they had – well, had they mm-hmm. split them yet? Or I can't remember if they split them to like Deacon – uh, not Deacon, Batista. Yeah, we've been through that. That was with yeah, the brand split. Lasted about three months, probably. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's including a brand split with them getting split up and coming back together and everything. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was an it was a decent opener. It was a decent tag opener. So you know, but it wasn't anything. It didn't blow my socks off or anything. I I I actually. Um, I commented something when we get to the awards about it. So you know, I'll I'll leave it at that. But yeah. Right. Yeah, I think if this is the end for three minute warning, I think the I would probably the, the word I would use is disappointing because they're not like terrible. Like at this point, it's just like you feel like they could have been so much more like they look like mm. they could be this this awesome team. And it just kind of never really panned out for them. And there were personal issues involved, too. I know they had some outside the ring issues as well that kind of hampered them. So, you know, that's where we are. Well, And they're being managed by Rico. I mean, that's <laughs> right. awful. No. Yeah, just terrible thrown together. Yeah. So we'll see. This may be the end for them. Um, mm-hmm. But we hit to uh, we had to hung over Eric Bischoff, who actually is here, despite Stone Cold saying uh, he wasn't going to be. Stumbles in hungover. Austin tells him the the key here is you got to drink more. Hair of the dog. Um, <laughs> this of course causes Eric to puke again. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just so, the, so they could rerun the puke. They uh, maybe had some extra all fake over, all puke. over his own portrait. <laughs> right pukes all over himself uh yeah austin sees uh so austin bails out of that as they do in some of these and kind of finds his way to another guy he sees nash in the hallway and uh he makes him the number one contender based on his performance uh last night at the pay-per-view no shock there you didn't think that that was going to be the end of the triple h nash feud uh you know this to me is just like a basic raw plot development backstage segment where like they i feel like they almost do this too much like the interactions here, I didn't think. Well, I mean, you got Eric puking, but if you watched the pay per view, you already got that. You already saw him puke. Yeah. They're kind of running that back. Like they just they feel the need to have like these backstage things to get across the most basic stuff. Like it's basically just Austin saying, "Hey Nash, you're be number one contender. That was a good, you know, good performance." Like I don't know if you even need this backstage segment to get this across. It, it feels very much like the SmackDown versus Raw video games. <laughs> right, right. Where you had the constant backstage segments because that's how they're pushing the storyline through. I guess it's uh, I guess it was the modern day replacement to, you know, the mm-hmm. brother love shows and the mean gene interview segments and things like that, where that's how they moved forward storylines, really. But again, it's it, it is it's like you had the 20 minute opening segment. You didn't need another lengthy segment i mean lengthy enough and the you know because that they, they did mm-hmm. multiple things with this where they're just it's just it's all just voice work you know at this point it's just voice work so yeah right and like Not nash necessary. doesn't say anything memorable stone cold doesn't say anything memorable it's just like hey you're the number one contender okay mm, bye yeah it's like i mean just, just close up on nash's face with this smile it's like okay yeah that's a good comp with it's exactly like this from the video games like yeah Austin's offering you a title shot. <laughs> Do you accept? Uh, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We then cut to Flair. He's thrilled about the match tonight. Triple H. Uh, but then we we see the tension here because Triple H is obviously expecting him to just take the pin. And mm-hmm. uh, so they're starting to build to this conflict. So this was, and this was real quick. But uh, again, this is interesting. There's at least something going on here that's like peak image. Like, how is this going to play out? It's not a bad hook for the show. 
Right. It's not. And it, it is. It's it's funny. I'm trying to think back. I don't think I mean, I guess the closest you could say that like the horsemen did this was when like they were pissed that Sting wanted the title shot and they were kind of like, we don't ask for title shots against Ric Flair, you know, and mm-hmm. that's a cl- so I mean, it's kind of a rehash, but not really. It's mm-hmm. more of a rehash with it made me think of when Shawn Michaels and Triple H wrestled for the European title in the DX heyday. And, you know, they mm-hmm. went in thinking it was going to be a big to do. And then, you know, and then Triple H, oddly enough, uh, Sean laid down for Triple H on that, too. No, Triple H laid down for Sean. That's right, because Sean won it. And so, right or no? The reverse? I can't remember now. Yeah, That's I, think Sean, my Sean, I think yeah. I think Sean did lay down. Yeah. yeah, Sean laid down for him, so... You know, yeah, because like he didn't need it anymore, basically. Yeah, because he was yeah. the world champ. Yeah, so that's where, yeah, that weird thing. So it, it's just funny that <laughs> that is funny now. It even makes it, yeah, it went going my original point. It's funny that Triple H gets another person he wants to lay down for him. So, okay. Yeah, and it, it's like they're playing this interesting tension they've had since they kind of paired these two up. Is like, yeah, Triple H like flares his hero. He respects him, but he also. Like he wants Flair to look after him. So how does this mm. work whenever, you know, you know, he's Ric Flair. Like if he's got a chance at the spotlight, yeah. how does he not take it? Like, how do you get to a point where Flair's okay with being the second banana is interesting. Yeah. Like that's an interesting thread to all this. Like in the veteran and the kind of the guy in his prime is kind of how they're presenting this. Um, yeah. Like the, pr- and it's the proto evolution you know, where because then Flair goes on to be like almost the mentor for Batista and Randy in that group. And then but it's again, I to think back, I mean, this is what Triple H, he was the one that presented this. So, you know, he, it would have been nice if he said something to Triple H to, you know, Flair before he went ahead and offered him the title shot. <laughs> like, right. I'll so you're trying to put shot, over his arrogance, you. you know. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I need you to lay down for me. OK. Oh, OK. All right, then. Yeah, it kind of shows you how full of himself he is that he he just mm-hmm. feels like he's well obviously Ric Flair will just lay down for me. Yeah. All right, we head to the uh the highlight reel. Uh, and our guest tonight is gonna be the new Intercontinental Champion for the uh newly uh reinstated Intercontinental Championship. Mm-hmm. And uh so we get the the debut here, a uh, big big one here, Keith. You get to join me for the debut of the Geratron five thousand. Yeah. Because yeah, of I was, plasma. I was surprised, the plasma man. screen, yeah. The plasma screen probably cost about eight grand back in 2003. <laughs> this Geratron costs more than your houses. <laughs> right. Um, he shows clips of Christian betraying him at the uh in the battle royal last night, and we see that uh Christian comes out and he's got the haircut. We are finally, finally out of long hair, Christian. It's long overdue. Um, mm. I'm hoping I haven't seen his in ring gear yet, but we're hoping he ditches that terrible singlet he's been having. But it, this is this is good. Uh, the leather belt tassel thing he had was a, was certainly a choice. Christians through different podcasts I do, and him in different promotions, his his fashion is always very questionable. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Uh, but uh, Jericho scolds him, uh, and you think maybe they're going to have a bit of a scuffle here, but then Jericho gives him a big hug. And admits that he would have done the same thing in that position. So there's no ill will. Um, Christian dubs his fans the peeps. So we're pushing the peeps thing. He says that he's the American Idol, which was a big deal. This why I did not realize, but apparently this must be like first season American Idol. Because I think they make like a, um, do they make it? Or maybe this was uh, season two. I don't know. I can't remember if he made a, 
a, he makes a, a Ruben, Ruben and Clay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he makes Ruben a Ruben Clay. Studded and Clay Aiken, which I think is that season two or season I think three. So. Yeah. Yeah, very early. Like yeah. in its prime still, when America yeah. and I was still like, you know. A thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they throw that in there. Uh, Jericho shows footage of uh, Christian cheating. Christian says that Booker T is a championship material. And then QRVD to come down. Um, he tells Christian that his catchphrase about the peep sucks. Uh, he thinks it's a Christian sucks chant going. And uh, he says that Christian should be a fighting champ and that he wants a shot tonight. Uh, they jump him, but then Kane quickly runs down and uh, Austin uh, comes in uh, on the, on the uh, Titan Tron. It makes this a quick, quickly thrown together tag match, which is a good deal for Christian Jericho to just get a tag title match like that easily. But, Seriously. Uh, uh, but. Oh, like this to me, the main thing was Christian debut in the new look. He needed this desperately. It gives me much more hope for him being intercontinental champion. Like if nothing else, him, this revamp of Christian was desperately needed. And they kind of got that over here. So before we get to the match, any thoughts on the, uh, on the highlight reel here, Keith? Uh, I was cool seeing it, reliving the debut of it, you know, which is kind of, which that has Mm -hmm. come into play a lot over the years. So uh, yeah, no, and I loved, um, I loved Christian's look, his new, you know, his swagger with being the Intercontinental Champion, uh, so, yeah, I was really, I was proud of that, and I remembered that, it made me remember, like, oh, yeah, that's right, that, that Austin brought back the Intercontinental Championship, and that was kind of cool, you know? There you go. All right, so we'll hop into this tag match, it'll be RVD and Kane versus Christian Jericho, pretty cool match on paper, uh, mm-hmm. Early, early control is typical of these RVDK matches. It, it makes sense because they're real good at it. Um, they kind of control early, get all their shine in. Um, but they can't keep uh, Jericho or Christian down. We get a, a nice uh, senton to the outside. We get some miscommunication here, though, as uh, Rob tags uh, tags Kane on the, while Kane's going for the top rope clothesline. So the kind of throws Kane off. And that allows the heels to take over. Nice missile drop kick from Jericho. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there was pretty good aggression. They kind of isolate RVD here. He's good at selling. These two are kind of going at it. Jericho specifically is real good, real focused in these things. Uh, Rob frees himself with a small package uh, to escape the walls of Jericho. Kane gets the hot tag, which the crowd was really into. The crowd is very into RVD and Kane. Uh, Jericho ends up stopping the five stars. Frog splash, really good near fall on the line salt. After he breaks it up, he comes in uh, uh, almost bit on that one. But then we get a schmaz as Jericho, as he does sometimes. They sense danger, and they go for the chairs to end it. And uh, Booker T comes in a bit late here. I don't know if he was maybe – if he was supposed to come in and do a run-in maybe before this or something, but he seems a bit late. But he comes out to stop them from doing any major damage on the champions and kind of keeps himself involved in this. Cause that is sort of the story they're running with is that, you know, Booker T is the rightful champ. He should be going after Christian. Is he going to get his moment? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. This was just like a good tag match for some pros ebbed and flowed. Well, um, everybody played their roles well. And, uh, though it was not really consequential except for Booker T coming out. Like that's the only thing that you really get out of this moving forward, but it's still a fun little tag. I ended up going uh, two and three quarters on this one. Hmm. Okay. I actually went, I went three. I thought it was great. Because uh, I thought it was great. It was a, it was a great tag match, like TV TV tag match, you know, yep. back and forth. Uh, like you, I agree with you with the result was inconsequential unless they had, you know, they somehow decided they wanted to give Christian and 
Jericho the tag titles, which, I mean, at that point, the tag championships are like hot potatoes anyway, so they could have had mm-hmm. that. Uh, but it was, no, it was, it was a fun little match. It was uh, action-packed, I feel like. It's setting up multiple angles, I feel like, in the future. Kane is a friggin' beast. I forgot how mm-hmm. jacked, yep. like, 2003 Kane is. Uh, so it was, like, awesome to see Kane like that. Like, Kane, right before he took the mask off, was just like, that's, like, epic Kane, in my opinion. I love that Kane, you know? Uh, 01 to 03, I love Kane. Um, that he's probably, that's probably when he's my favorite. So uh, it was kind of cool seeing that. And, um, yeah, I mean, you have you have a ton of storylines that you could set from that one thing. You got Booker T, you got Kane, you got Rob Van Dam, you got Christian, you got Jericho. I mean, you get them all mixing in. That's like, that's a great group of mid-card guys to have going at it every week on raw and just you know giving it all and showing the world that they can they can perform so Mm -hmm. i loved it yeah they just need to do that more like they Mm -hmm. i think they do a good job with it here they've they've been kicking like this raw seems a little more lively than typical because you got this tag match got the flair and triple h stuff it's been interesting Mm -hmm. it's move it's move at a decent clip which is good um, so we, we have King, uh, hypothesizing about who hit Goldberg. He thinks it's Booker T not really sure why. And so they're doing this whole thing. Um, I guess maybe going back to American Idol here, maybe they're trying to hop on that trend where you can go on the website and vote on who you thought, who you think, uh, ran o- tried to run over Goldberg. I should say. <laughs> they tried to run they should have right. done that with the Austin who drove over Austin. They should have done a vote. Right, like a who shot Mr. Burns. Uh, yeah. Type of deal. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. We get HBK telling Flair that he's not here. Uh, he goes to talk to Flair, tell him, make sure he knows that he's not there to confront him. And then he tries to tell him, you know, you can't lay down for uh, you can't lay down for him. You can't ruin your legacy like this. You can see that Flair kind of is getting into it. He thinks he has a shot. And uh, the uh, the motion from Flair is really good here. Like, oh, yeah. Looks on the verge of tears, which I know that would eventually become like a trope, like him crying for everything mm-hmm. as, you know, in his later years. But here it seems, you know, like you said, we haven't seen him really do much. He's kind of been a second banana. And so to see him out here, like getting this real sincere looking emotion, which he probably was emotional, yeah. you know, probably was pretty legit. So I thought it was a good effective segment again, the, to suck you more into the storyline they have with Flair and Triple H on this night. And I thought HBK was fine because I think of anybody they have here, it makes the most sense that he would, you know, be the one concerned with legacy and all that kind of stuff. So I, I thought this is effective. I do too. I mean, it almost makes me feel like Triple H and Vince were, I want to say, I don't want to say given a rib, but I guess given a rib to, to, to Ric Flair with letting him be the contender tonight. Like, Flair went in that night not knowing that he was going to get the shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost feel like because he does legitimately, I mean, if not, that's just Flair's amazing acting ability because mm-hmm. he he literally looks like this is a total shock to him and that mm-hmm. he's willing, like, he's, I can't believe I get this opportunity to go out there and, and run roll around in the ring with my best friend in the whole wide world, Hunter, you know, and um, and have a chance. And, and yeah, Sean was great because Sean... It was, that was an emotional promo for him. He said he he made the comment about 15 years ago. You came out and said that, you know, you got to be on the benchmark. And I mean, it was just which I thought that was cool referencing, mm-hmm. you know, something he probably said on like Worldwide or something one day, one Saturday. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So I was I love that. I thought that was a great promo. Uh, so, yeah. And Michael's just, you know, 
five star in that like he does everything else. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, this is real good. It's so refreshing because, like, I think one of the big issues Raw could come off as very, like, like, in this era, I feel like they're going through the motions a lot. Like, they're just putting the show together and it doesn't always seem inspired much. Mm-hmm. Like, like they have talent and everything. But, like, you know, we have this Nash and Triple H feud that it's like they're trying to manufacture emotion from it and heat. And it's just kind of not there. And then, like you say, you just have Flair, you throw them out here on this, like, one-off thing. And all of a sudden, it's like within 40 minutes of the show, you're, like, sucked into it because he's so good yeah. at selling you that this matters and it means something to him. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, with that, we will now move to the, some uh, different emotion. We have the five-minute white boy challenge of the night. Uh, Rodney Mack, uh, <laughs> Teddy tells us that Rodney sees nothing but bigots when he comes out. And they they say the competition has been very um, underwhelming, and they want a real wrestler tonight. So instead of getting a jobber, they get Spike Dudley. So, um, you know, not a guy with a sterling win-loss record. Yeah. Uh, so, so Spike is going to be our uh, our white boy for the five minute white boy challenge. Uh, you know, and, and Spike takes it to him in this match. Like, uh, you know, the, like he got a lot in. He hits a big uh, dive to the outside at one point, and he kind of hits a flight. So he's kind of getting worked over in the early going. And in the last two minutes, they kind of play up. You know, Spike gets a flurry, he gets a dive. Uh, uh, Rodney's kind of selling the shoulder injury, which has given Spike a little bit of hope. And uh, the crowd was really into it by the end. Like, they were really into Spike because he almost beats the clock, but yeah. he taps at the last second to the blackout, which is the uh, like a Cobra clutch, which I didn't think looked that great in this one. Like, uh, when he locked it at the end, it wasn't super uh, snug. Uh, but, uh, like, I get it. It was a cool moment. Like, I ended up going, too, because for what they were doing, I thought it was effective. And Teddy's so good on commentary. He's like getting on jr about a black nanny and all this like he just never like he never takes a breath like he's just constantly <laughs> um but the, the, he does beat him my issue with this is i don't know in long term i mean you get the moment with spike and it's kind of fun the crowd pops but i feel like you need rodney to kind of handle him i think you come out here and prove like rodney mack could even beat you know a quote-unquote real wrestler not just jobbers but mm. Um, I went two anyway, but I think long term, I think you would maybe want Rodney to roll him and, and continue the dominance if that's really what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, I mean, I can agree with a lot of that. I, I went like one and a half. It's just it's it's a it's a glorified jobber match, you know, and mm-hmm. and even though I'm I'm from the era where I loved enhancement matches and stuff, it's still just a yeah, it's OK. You know, I mean, it was it was all right. I wish that. uh you know, I it, I I remember that too vividly to even have any fond memories of the the white boy challenge and Rodney Mack and how it went nowhere. And I think had it gone somewhere, I think it would have been interesting and maybe memorable that this is where we went. But um, he never did anything, Rodney Mack. You know, and that was kind of. That was a shame. Like, he never really did anything. He never really even broke into the mid-card, you know? I feel like he broke into, like, the just below the mid-card, and this is what you had. It was just, just this is coming back from commercial break. Here we go before we move on to the next real segment. Right, and the, they're getting to the point where, the, to me, that would have been the lot. I guess to them, this is the next step. Like, oh, look, he's beating a real wrestler, but I don't know if he's getting a whole lot out of being pushed to the limit by Spike Dudley as compared to, you know, beating a local talent you know i don't know if it's really building much 
for Rodney here. Well, it's like they kind of don't know yeah. where to go. And and having him go the distance with Rodney, Matt, I mean with with uh, Spike Dudley is not that. No, that's not. Right. You know, he should have gone the distance. You you have him go the distance with. Uh, I don't know anybody else that's on the roster. Like have him go up against freaking Bubba Ray Dudley, you know, just and, right. and then have that be, and then he goes the distance and beats him with one second left, and you're like, okay, you know, he went somewhere with something. I always kind of look at that. It's whenever you have the the jobber getting it, the enhancement talent getting any offense against the guy, you kind of look down upon the uh, the name guy. <laughs> so it's like, um, okay, right. so yeah, right. All right, so we go to Austin now. He's, he's yelling at Eric Bischoff with a bull. This killed me. Like he was so obnoxious. Like he just keeps screaming at him. He's like hitting a trash can, yeah. uh, and then he finally stops. He's like, "All right, let me get to this. Let me tell you, the true cure to a hangover is some female entertainment." Yeah. Which gets uh, Eric gets excited, and of course, it's uh, it's Moolin May. You know, anytime. <laughs> A heel's getting trolled uh, with female entertainment. It's going to be Mula May. Uh, he loses it and then uh, ends up kicking them out. So just continuing Eric and just picking up where they left off uh, at the pay-per-view. Just more Austin and Eric shenanigans here. But I did like this just for how obnoxious Austin was. Just like yelling at him with the, he's like, ah, ah, ah. Like he was killing me. It was pretty funny. I would, I will admit, like it. Austin is Austin at his best when he's when he's that annoying character. I mean, if you think back to when he was Vince's best friend, and he's in there with him and Kurt Angle, they're in the room, and Vince is just getting so frustrated, and Austin's just sitting there singing with the <laughs> singing with the guitar and everything. Yeah, no, that's that's where Austin's at his best when he's trying his comedic chops in that kind of way. I love it. All right, we head back to Flair. He's just getting himself. He's feeling himself, getting pumped up. He's got the robe on. Mm-hmm. Hits us with a woo. He's he's ready to go. Yep, he is. And then we go to another tag match, and this is one that is straight from the pay per view. Just a, running this back uh, for no reason specifically. Uh, it's going to be Test and Scott Steiner versus La Resistance, the recently debuted mm-hmm. La Resistance. Uh, we get a little bit of a brawl to start. Uh, Steiner takes a shot. Stacy checks on him while Tess gets double teamed in the ring. Tess gets shoved in the Steiner, and then they kind of roll up Tess. I mean, this match was absolutely nothing. Like, I felt like nothing yeah. happened. The only reason this was here is to, uh, you know, Stacy leaves in a huff out of frustration. She started them losing matches because of miscommunication and because of her or whatever drama they have going on. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that this is the end of this because I'm getting real bored of this and it's not doing La Resistance any favors because one, they're second banana to the the love triangle here and it doesn't make them look very impressive. I feel like no one gained much of anything from this match and I end up actually going to dud on it. I thought this was a totally oh. worthless match. Hey, wasn't a fan, Keith. <laughs> I, went a dud, I went dud as well. I mean, that's just... <laughs> I kind of go dud on almost everything in Scott Siner's second run in the E. Um, <laughs> everything with him is just a dud, I feel like. I, I really, I mean, I did not, I mean, I say his second run because obviously when he, when he's in the Steiner brothers in the early 90s, that they're they're good. But, God, he's so bad when he's, he's so bad in the WWE in his second run. It's so bad. So everything with him is just, you know, so that's, I agree completely. Did nobody, nobody in this match did any favors for anybody. No. 
it was just a yeah. So we'll, hopefully this will be the end. Let's let Tess and Steiner have a match so we can move past this mm-hmm. the drama. All right. All right, we head, we head back to Austin. He's got a cardboard sign that he uh, crudely wrote interrogation room on. Uh, and he ha- hangs that up And because uh, uh, this is where he's going to be doing, I guess, his law and order impression in this room. <laughs> and we actually, so we show, they show the results of the poll. And uh, so the fans seem to think it's The Rock with 20, but this seems like wishful thinking that The Rock's <laughs> coming back that soon, guys. Uh, uh, but 28% think it's The Rock. Um and uh, I don't want to say it was uh Christian was like the second most, mm-hmm. uh, but it was fun to, to be able to like, I definitely paused it to try and see what the results were. Cause I just wanted to see what kind of ridiculousness was on this thing. It was funny. They had, they had Lance storm on there, which is right. great because who would have thought Lance, who would have thought Lance storm's name would have come across anything in creative in 2003. <laughs> Right, he's because he's going to be in the interrogation room. Uh, mm-hmm. He Austin has him in this dim room. Uh, he's, he says, uh, "Where were you, June twenty fifth, nineteen eighty nine? And Lance says, "Yes and no." And Austin says, mm, "I was just trying to see if you're going to lie, what you're going to say." Uh, he finally, uh, after some uh, some tactics maybe uh, outlawed by the Geneva Convention, he gets Lance Storm to admit. Uh, and Lance says it was an accident. The accelerator stuck. Uh, and he says in Canada, they drive on the other side of the road, which is a good line, which Austin says they do not drive on the other side of the road in Canada. <laughs> um, so he admits that he did it, but then Austin doesn't quite buy that he would be the one. He's like, who put you up to it? I, uh, whose idea was it? And uh, Lance Storm uh, has to face Goldberg tonight because mm-hmm. – uh, because he reveals that it was, uh, well, I don't know. No, he, uh, yeah, he does. He tells him it's Jericho at this point, right? He says it's Jericho, and then as his punishment, he has to face Goldberg for doing it. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was a fun way to get this across. I mean, you know, that, I'm glad they didn't drag this out too long. Like it was some, you know, monumental occasion that somebody almost had. Like they didn't drag this out too much, and yeah. Austin's entertaining with this ridiculousness with the June twenty fifth, nineteen eighty nine. Like you said, like I kind of like Austin when he goes kind of goofy. So mm-hmm. this is okay. Yeah, no, I liked it. It would have been the only thing that would have made it funnier is if it was Rikishi again. That just would have made it funnier. <laughs> just, but I knew we weren't going to get Rikishi again. But that would have been funny. Uh, and he did it for the rock again. That would have been even more funny, but no. Um, yeah, this was good. Uh, it was, like I said, it was fun. It was fun to bring in a guy that you haven't, that's probably been just sitting at catering the entire time. So I thought that was kind of cool. Austin pulling the, pulling the blinds apart and like looking out like he's <laughs> it's yeah, just it's... like what the hell is he doing and then when you said law and order all i could think of is him going ah, ah, like that and having that be <laughs> yeah. the thing the dun dun and then <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean that that was funny i mean yeah i'm glad they didn't drag it out but they probably could have because did they, they dragged the, they dragged mcfoley around for a while when he was trying to find out who hit austin so and i mean shit Austin's funnier than McFoley, so I would have let That's him true. have you have a couple of shows where he's just even if it was another show, you know, just having him do some stuff, some shenanigans that would have been good. Uh, but no, it was good. Not they, wrong. Austin interrogating people for a month would have kind of been fun. Now that you it, say it, like, but yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it would have run its course pretty quickly, and I'm glad that he, I'm glad he tightened it up and wrapped it up real quick. But I could have done another week with Austin just being like Detective Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. What? 
Instead of smoking a cigarette, he's just drinking a beer in the interrogation room. Like, you want a coffee? No? How about a beer? <laughs> like that, it would have just been good. So, uh, uh, yeah. All right. We uh, go to uh, Flair what? and Triple H. They have <laughs> Yep. What? What? Where were you on June 25th, 1989? You, you dumb bastard. Where are you? <laughs> I was working in uh, W. I was at World Class at the time. <laughs> I was in world class. Do you remember what happened to gentleman Chris Adams? <laughs> All right. Flair and Triple H had their final sit down here, their final face to face. We yep. see Triple H has his ribs taped. So kind of things are not going his way. He's injured. He thought Flair was going to lay down. He's not going to do it. Um, Flair gets on his ass, tells him that he's getting his ribs taped. He says that he had matches like the one that Triple H had last night every single night of his career. He reminds Triple H that he asked him where the old Flair was. Well, he's here, and he won't lay down, especially not in Flair country, and he gives him a woo. So just more good stuff from Flair. Just uh, excellent promo. Just uh, pure, like, jet, like, you know, fired up Flair. I love the – I used to have matches like this every night, which is awesome. You know, I wish you – only thing better if you would have said uh, said something about going sixty minutes or something that would have really got me. But this was yeah. uh, this was damn good. Yeah, that was good. I eat, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Like that. <laughs> that's what I, I mean. It's no. This is this was this is actually was fantastic. It was it was great. It was channeling his. It was channeling his TBS days. It was, it was, you know, I loved it. I was so excited to see this and it pumped me up. Like I said, it made me believe mm-hmm. it made me believe for a minute that things, this was going to be, you know, cause I know they weren't afraid to switch titles around on, on raw and SmackDown. And I knew they would, they would do that. And I went, you know what I could see? Cause I, one of the things I've, I love triple H. I really do. And one of the reasons why I love triple H is cause he's, he's a guy who's all about, what's good for business. And I know that he's the kind of guy where he would have said, you know what? I'm going to let flair have this moment. And then I'm just going to beat him up like next week and take the title back. And I could have absolutely seen flair pinning him winning the title, having that like one last chance to run with the gold belt. And then like the next week, like triple H just kicking the shit out of him and beating him in like three minutes and taking the title. Like I could have seen that. And that would have been, and that would have been perfect. Perfect. Because you give the guy the one last win, the one last victory, the one last time that he gets to raise the belt in the air, and then, you know, that's it. So, I could have seen it, but I was okay. Yeah, and the way we, I mean, we're looking in retrospect, obviously, no, it's not true, but we'll get to the match in just a second. But the way they're playing this up, it's like is, you know, like the thing JR starts to get to is like, this is Mickey Mantle's last at back kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so especially with that, you could see like, well, maybe we'll just do it to yeah. you know. But before we get to that, we have to see uh poor Lance Storm get his uh his punishment for trying to run down Goldberg because he is gonna be against Goldberg here mm-hmm. and a complete squash. Just there's a classic Goldberg squash, just completely destroys Lance Storm in about ninety seconds. Uh, uh I thought that pump handle slam was a different something you don't see Goldberg pull out. It's like a um Almost like a pump handle, like belly to belly, because he kind of flings them like a sack of shit. But uh, <laughs> I thought he also, uh, Goldberg got a good reaction, maybe because they're down south, maybe more in WCW towns, you know, Definitely. in a WCW Definitely. area. He got a good reaction. Absolutely. Uh, and he gets him. Oh, this is what it is. I'm sorry. I said earlier, Landstorm. Landstorm didn't admit it, it was here. It was where uh, Goldberg gets him on the mic, and then he mm-hmm. tells him it was Jericho. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So they just. 
you know, they get to it. Not much to say here. So Goldberg gets on the show. We get to see Goldberg do a jackhammer. You know, it's all good. Mm, yeah. I mean, if we're giving this anything, I'd give it a dud. Yeah, I'd even rate it. I mean, was yeah, it even it was, a really, it wasn't even really a match, right? Or was it yeah. a match? Yeah. The, yeah, no, this was like the squashy squash yeah. ever. Like, I said 90 seconds. That's pro- I mean, it was legit like 45 seconds probably. Yeah. yeah. So he gets in, and then we uh, we see Jericho backstage, and I believe, I want to say it was Coach or somebody that went up to him. It, it was Coach. He, <laughs> yeah, Coach runs up to get the scoop, and he's, as he leaves, uh, Jericho actually does not deny it. He admits that he was the one who set up the attack, and uh, we'll find out. We will find out more about this because his guest on the highlight reel will be Goldberg. So <laughs> interesting development there. Yes. So setting that up for next week. And then that quickly, we're at our main event. So the big title match between uh um any any thoughts on Jericho as the uh, as the the master, the architect, if you will, of this? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember where this falls in the Jericho and Goldberg beef. Era mm-hmm. like I I was this this was because of their previous like backstage kerfuffle that they had right and then they said right. you know what you guys want to do something backstage why don't we make why don't we work you know and so I mean I I liked it I think that um you know you got to do something with Goldberg to move him off of the world title and I think having him go to Jericho's is probably the next best thing I mean. At this point, Jericho's probably the second biggest heel on the sh- on the show, mm-hmm. I would think. So that's a that seems about right, and have him do that. And uh, you know, otherwise you're just back to having Goldberg against Triple H again, which is just nobody wants to see that anymore. So right, so we're we're like, uh, yeah, we're, and it makes sense because Jericho's kind of in this spot right now where he's floating a bit. He's kind of like the guy off the bench when they need a. Like you yeah. said, like a high-profile heel to fit in somewhere. So it makes sense for what they're working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, with that, we'll go to our main event here. We get Flair versus Triple H for the title. Uh, of course, Flair gets a great reaction, great entrance here. Uh, we get in the ring after Triple H's entrance, and he tells him to lay down, and uh, Flair just slicks his hair back and starts strutting. Great <laughs> uh, great fire from Flair throughout this entire match. Like, just taking it to Triple H, like... Uh, mm-hmm. Triple H's ribs give out. He takes a sick bump to the outside. Uh, Flair follows him out there, hits a suplex on the outside, lays in the chops, brings him back in for a delayed vertical. Just, just awesome Flair, uh, Flair offense. Just taking it to him. Uh, Triple H cuts him off with a spine buster, but Flair just keeps firing at him. He actually hits the axe handle off the top. Like doesn't do the. Uh, I guess because he's in face mode, he doesn't take the uh, Flair uh, bump from the top, <laughs> the which is bump, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The crowd's getting super hyped. Um, at this point, I was getting pretty into it. Uh, the chop block was great. JR, he was awesome in this match. Like I said earlier, he's got this whole analogy of Flair being Mickey Mantle, you know, Mickey Mantle going up to the plate for the last time, hitting a home run, this whole thing. And he's just losing his mind. Like, you know, his voice is getting hoarse. Uh, mm-hmm. But the chop block gets Triple H in the figure four, locks him in there for a while um, to tease the crowd. Triple H finally gets the ropes, but uh, the ref gets bumped. Triple H goes for the belt, and at this point, you're thinking, "Well, this is where um, this is where we're gonna have it." Triple H hit him with the belt, and that'll be the end. But Flair nails him with the eye gouge and uh, takes the belt and hits him for a great near fall. Like that was a huge pop for that one. I think everybody in the crowd thought maybe that could be it. Um, I love that like undermining what you thought was gonna be the the smash finish with um, yeah with the belt. Like you thinking, okay, Triple H hits him with the belt, and that's it. 
Um, but the fans are with him. Uh, he backdrops out of the pedigree, but Triple H uh, comes right back at him and hits the uh, the pedigree and picks up the win. And so, uh, and then Nash comes out um, to try and attack Triple H. Triple H is on his heels, and Austin comes on <laughs> on the Tron and yeah. tells us that the rematch at the pay per view at Bad Blood. Well, he, no, he doesn't. Go, this is where he comes out. He does the he thing. He comes where out, he yeah, and he looks at like, him. Bad Blood. Hell, it is <laughs> like that whole deal. Um, uh, uh, the match was very good. There's a lot of emotion to it. Well executed. I end up going three and a quarter on it just because, like, I think it is hurt maybe. And I, I hate to hold this against him, but I think it's hard for me to not think like, like there was some good drama to it, but it was never quite a classic. And like, we just know, and even like, they don't waste any time of letting you know immediately when the match is done, like, oh, yeah, we're back to the the real feud, which is Nash and Triple H, even though yeah. this one show thing has had more emotion and, you know, was more entertaining than anything Nash and Triple H have done thus far. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like a bit of a bummer at the end. Like, oh, now we have to go back to this kind of bland, you know, you know, you see Flair has the crowd in the palm of his hand and like Nash has just struggled to connect with the crowd at all since he's returned. So it's kind of a bummer ending after all that. And then knowing that, I mean, we don't know this yet, but like, it's kind of, it's not going to be much to it. Like, tri- like Flair's just kind of going to go back with triple H and be his manager. And then it's like, this never happened sort of thing. Yeah. So I, with that, but I still went three and a quarter. It's a cool moment. And it's just, it's vintage flair, like, um, just working the crowd. And it was awesome. Um, I actually, I actually had three and a half and, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's because, and this is a, this is a, it made me feel nostalgia and it's just a total nostalgia feel to, to that, to that legendary flair kind of style and promo and, and everything like that. So I, I, the match itself was, it was a short match. I didn't realize it was as short as it was going back thinking, I mean, I almost thought like. I almost felt like this was like a candidate for match of the year, but maybe I'm, it wasn't, it clearly wasn't. I mean, there was clearly better stuff going on, but uh, probably was the best match on raw. I feel like maybe that year. I mean, I don't know, but um, yeah, I didn't really, and, and looking at it, listening to you now, I can see where it was just a very, it was a moment in time that mm-hmm. wasn't going to be much more after that, but Sometimes that's what you get, and that's what you you look forward to those. So I I, I stick with three and a half on that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, I got it. No, it was very well done. It was a good full show angle. It was an interesting dynamic yeah. between them with like you know them thinking that him thinking that uh, Flair. Like I said, it's almost like, and I hate to like. And I don't think I am talking it, but it's just, it was like bummed me out. And I was like, man, sure. I wish like, yeah, like no, I it, wish this it, wasn't over. Like, let's absolutely. let them fight at the pay-per-view instead of Nash and Triple H. Absolutely. So, but, uh, but that wraps up raw. So we end on that. When we fight, as Austin tells us that, uh, bad blood, hell in a cell, you against Kevin. <laughs> you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, yeah, um, I thought this was, uh, Overall, I thought this was like an improvement over what Raw's been as of late. I think the obviously the flair thing, this the, this whole thing, it did elevate this show. I mean, it accomplished what mm-hmm. it was. And so yeah. I ended up going like six out of ten with this one. I thought Christian making some progress. We had a good tag match. Uh, the pace of it is still like just there's a lot of empty space in these still, in these Raws. Like mm-hmm. it just feels like they move kind of slow. 
at times, but I think there was enough happening on this where it felt like things that mattered were, were going on, like the Christian stuff and, of course, the Flair stuff. Um, also was entertaining, as usual. It's like the inter- interrogation was kind of fun. So definitely the Flair thing bumped this from the, the average draw of this uh, in this time frame. Yeah, I would agree. Six out of ten, absolutely. Yeah, every your assessment is dead on. Dead on accurate. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, we can, uh, we'll roll right into SmackDown and see what they have going on after the pay-per-view, which is, of course, the saga of Mr. America. So this will be the uh, <laughs> May 22nd, 2003 Raw. As we, uh, In case you need a refresher, you get a long recap of this whole Mr. America saga. So before we get into the developments on this episode, do you have any quick thoughts on this uh uh, where we are so far with Mr. America, are your, your thoughts on this whole, this whole angle? It's the, this is the dumbest thing. <laughs> this is the dumbest angle. Right. I think that the WWF has ever tried to pull off. Like it's, it's, I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I, and I don't want to give away, like, I don't know. I know we have awards and stuff, but th- Vince, and I'm going to give away one of my awards. Vince McMahon is the MVP of the show. <laughs> like, the amount of work that Vince is doing in this show is just unheralded. I mean, it is it is amazing. He is single-handedly building this show. Every non-wrestling segment is Vince, and it's amazing. Um, his just his complete befuddlement over the whole Mr. America thing is just fantastic. And the fact that he's bringing, he brings Piper and Piper into this whole mix, and and he's yelling at Stephanie for the contracts. There are mistakes being made. It's just so amazing. <laughs> yes, oh, it's it amazing. Is. It's, it's, the, it's actually it's the most raw segment on SmackDown is what it is. Because it's such a raw thing having this goofiness where it's just all Vince and Hogan. It's just Vince and Hogan stupidity. I love it. I love it, though. I love it. I hate it and I right. love it. It's, it's the perfect kind of like wrestle crap. Yeah, it's like, it's as if like Angle went out and he was like, well, I guess I got to step up. And then he creates this entire, like, and this shit is driving the show. Like, this is the number one, like, at least in the way they're presented, this is the number one attraction on SmackDown right now. Like, we have Brock Lesnar now. This is Mr. America's, this, yeah. of this. Uh, He's, this Brock, real, like, uh, Brock is playing second fiddle to Mr. America. It's yeah. amazing. And Brock's the, the next big thing. Right. <laughs> and that's what we start the show events. He arrives. He's in a terrible mood. He walks out. He wants the mic. He then recaps everything we we just saw a video. But so again, to show you how it's dominating the show, we just saw this intricate recap. Which again, we're coming off the pay per view, and the first thing they show us is not like, well, did Brock retain the title? No, it's like what happened at the pay per view with uh, Mister America. Here's and a then recap Vince, Mister America. Yeah, yeah, and then he goes through all of uh, Mr. America at the pay-per-view. He had this, and this, this he says a handicapped kid assaulted him. Yeah. Uh, but tonight he's taking over, Vince says he's taking over the show, and you will see my fingerprints all over the show, which is <laughs> what every Twitter user in 2023 says, like, every time there's an episode yeah. of SmackDown now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could tell Vince's fingerprints were all over the show. So it's kind of, I, that pop for hearing him use that exact, like, um, phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh um, so good. And then we get it we actually get a new opening package here. There's a new song for SmackDown. We we yeah. no longer have the beautiful people. We now have 
I want to, it's like the one, uh, what does it go? It's like sex, sex. <laughs> like the, yeah. I'm trying to think of the cadence. What does it say? Um, it's like fame, excess, sex, <laughs> like that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the many themes of SmackDown over the years. <laughs> yeah. So we're in that era now. But after all that Vince stuff, we are going to start with a, a pretty fun match on paper to begin. It's going to be a rematch from the, the ladder match that we said Judgment Day. This time it will be a traditional tag match. They say that pretty much Team Angle are exercising their rematch calls immediately after losing them to Eddie Guerrero and to Jerry. So we jump mm-hmm. right into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they got across in this real early that like Team Angle were very focused on getting their titles back and like – they had a little extra juice because it's like they're back in their element. So I kind of like that part of the story here because yeah. a lot of them losing the ladder match was they kind of pinned on like they're young. They're like pure wrestlers. A ladder match is not really their strength, and that's why they lost. So it's like, okay, now we're back in our element. Let's get it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie and Tajiri, as we talked about in the pay-per-view, are just, I, I mean, super fun random team that gets thrown together. Like it's like, a, you know, Hate that you got injured, Chavo, but this is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that's so, a that's a quality put together tag team of two guys. You know, right? The double drop kick spot was really good. Eddie's just awesome. He's so smooth, like that. Um, uh, he hits like a top rope arm drag, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Haas, it's a nice spear to take over. They kind of going rather than any in this early going, they don't really isolate anybody. It's just a lot of quick back and forth tags and momentum swings. Uh, Tajiri hits a killer plancha to the outside. Uh, Eddie tries fighting out a double team, but Shelton hits a nice uh, top rope cutter, which I thought was a nice spot. Good, to, uh, good consistent attack on Eddie as they do find, they kind of do start to isolate Eddie here. Uh, he takes a vicious bump on the frog splash. So that, that's really like your key spot to change momentum where they, where uh, team angle take over. But you know, like sometimes you see they put the knees up on these things, and it's like you could see them kind of gliding off. I mean, understandably, like gliding off. But if Eddie went straight into the knees on this, I mean, that was a sick, like, ugh, maybe yeah. cringe when I saw him go straight into Haas's knees. Uh, uh, he gets Eddie in the Haas of pain, but Tajiri breaks that up. Uh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I think Taz points this out too. Like Kyoto doesn't like team angle do the thing where they, they have them in like the ab stretch and they just switch out while Kyoto's distracted. He doesn't even notice. And, uh, and he's like, uh, Taz says something like, seems like it's pretty hard to, uh, not see the difference in these two guys. Uh, Cole, <laughs> good for Kyoto. He doesn't see, he doesn't yeah. see Rex, apparently. Um, no, he doesn't. Uh, I thought the, uh, that, uh, that Eddie takes back over this move was sick. He did like a, uh, it's like on both team angle, he did like a wrist drag to one and then a Rana yes. on the other. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And then he gets to Jerry comes in for the hot tag. The crowd's rocking to Jerry. hits a sick dragon. Whip. I mean, uh, no, I think that was our uh, Shelton hit the dragon whip to take back over. And then you could tell Eddie realizes that things are not looking good for his team. At this point, he goes and grabs a chair, but mm-hmm. instead of using it, he, uh, he hits, <laughs> he hits poor Kyoto with the chair then throws it to uh, throws it to Charlie Haas. Uh, Kyoto turns around, sees Haas has it, thinks about it for a second, ends up DQing Team Angle. So, um, which the thing I love about that spot is that with so many other people that could be such a lame finish, but because it's Eddie and he, it works because of his character and like his charisma, like and the crowd totally goes into it. Like so many matches that could have been such a bummer to a hot match and it like fit perfectly here. But yeah, man. 
this match ruled. Like it was a great classic tag match to follow up the ladder match. So it kind of helped. It didn't feel like they were, it didn't feel like they were just running the same match over because they're completely different without the ladder. Great offense from all. Eddie looked like a star. The good contrast of styles. I'm going three and a half on this. This was definitely like, this is like hidden gym material. If you haven't seen this one, definitely I would come and check this match out. I I actually went four. I thought this was this was fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah, this was this was the match of the night. This was the match of the week. I mean, this was this was incredible. I mean, it was definitely it was extremely. F- and you know what's funny is that I actually recently uh, watched uh, Judgment Day because I was like I wanted to watch, and I was like, you know what, the the, the latter match was great. This was I felt like this was almost better. You know, because mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah, granted, Tajiri and Eddie are known for well, Tajiri's known for kind of more of the hardcore like ECW era, but those four guys, man, can all wrestle. You know, and like that's the cool thing is that they can all go out there and put on like a five star match if they want to. And um, so I was really, I was, I was thrilled when I saw this come up. I was like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I mean, nowadays. It seems like the thing to do is to have a banger of an opening match, and so mm-hmm. I love that that's what we saw at SmackDown on, in 2003. So I was excited with it. Yeah, it's like you said earlier; it kind of fits the bill. Like, and this guy time. This is like almost a 20 minute match. Yeah, and they, they used it. Yeah, yeah. Where I was do complaining it. about Flair and Triple H not having like 20 minutes. I mean, given them, giving them about yeah, what did they give them? They gave them like 15, 15 plus. Mm-hmm. I mean. That's what I would have wanted out of the Flair Triple H match. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I think doing the pod, I think I forgot how good Team Angle was. Like, Oh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, like, it's from so the word good. go. Yeah. From the word go. Like, since yeah. they debuted, they've been consistently awesome. Yeah. And they were coming time. down, and I couldn't remember. Didn't They had their own theme music as well. But they came out to Kurt's music here, and, and maybe they hadn't had it yet. But I mm-hmm. don't. I think they had, yeah, because they had their own music. I think at one point. But I think it was when they became the world's greatest tag team, and because mm-hmm. they weren't, they're not that yet. They're right now. They're still Team Angles. Right, so. Team Angle, very much yeah. like Kurt's the coach, that kind of yeah. thing. And then, so that must have been after that. So, mm-hmm. right. It'll be interesting because we'll announce later that Kurt's going to be returning in a, in a couple weeks, I believe. And so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they get an ass chewing for uh, yeah, right. for losing the title. So And now, uh, I mean, remind me, is Kurt, has Kurt been out since WrestleMania? Yes, this is where he should have gotten the surgery or whatever that would have kept him out for a year. But instead, he did an alternative procedure. That yeah. only kept him out for like, you know, eight weeks or something. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, to the detriment of his probably his physical health quite a bit. But right. fortunately, that's kind of the story of Kurt Angle. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, he should have been out for a year, but he'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> that's pretty much the story. On there. That is the story. <laughs> it's Kurt's life. All right. All right, we had the Stephanie. She's with Vince. She's concerned about his obsession with Mr. America. And he says, I'm not obsessed with Mr. America. I'm obsessed with mistakes, Stephanie. Mistakes. Um, yeah, it's so good. Like, such a. Uh, that was like a line out of like, uh, trying to, like secession or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
and then he says, uh, I'll be out of control by, I'm in perfect control, but I'll yeah. be out of control by the end of the night. So I, just, I, I didn't understand that. I'll be out of control by the end of the night. Right. What is he talking about? He's just, ram- he's just rambling. He's, yeah. he's, he's juiced up tonight, which is again, it, like you said, it, ca- it carries this Mr. America nonsense, which yeah. without Vince would just be like, <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, it's bad anyway, but with Vince, yeah. he's kind of, at least you get this, like I'm obsessed with mistakes. Like it's such a dad line too, you know, like telling the daughter, it's yeah. not that I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed you. at you. Yeah. Uh, I expected right. so much out of you, that... Stephanie. Uh, we're then told that Brock is going to be facing the FBI tonight. And we're assuming this is going to be a six man. And we don't know who Brock's partners are going to be. So yeah. we'll see how that plays out later in the show. And Hey, guess what? It's Vince again. He ends out. Um, Throwing the team on his back. And uh, he rambles about Judgment Day some more. And he says, tonight, uh, you know, you pay the Piper, but tonight the Piper pays him. And he brings Piper out to apologize. Now, this, I'll ask you, as an old school fan, it's bothered me this whole time, like, Piper being such a, like, pushover in this. Like, he gets a little bit in a second. But him actually apologizing is so lame to me. Like, through this uh, this whole angle, he's so, like, neutered. It's kind of, it's a bummer. Yeah. I agree. I was, I mean, I'm thinking back to original Piper and I know that original mm-hmm. Piper is not coming out that door and, you know, he's a very different man in, uh, in 2003, but yeah, I mean, it would have been so awesome for Piper to just go nuts on Vince and then just, you know, hit him with a coconut. Maybe, I don't know. It would have just been awesome, but yeah, no, this is what we get. We get a totally old neutered rowdy, rowdy Piper and, this is where we're at. Yeah. So Vince slaps him and then he, he starts scolding him again. 20 years of hatred for Hogan. This is what I get. Um, he goes for another, but then we do get a little bit from Piper. He kind of stops him. And then he says mm-hmm. something like, uh, you know, if you try that again, I'll, you know, put my fist on your throat or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Sean O'Hare steps in as the voice of reason, which again, they've completely thrown that the character that they built up. Now, do you remember the vignettes? Do you know the character they had supposedly were building with him for like legit months and months with the promos? Do you remember the Sean O'Hara like do what you feel character? Like who's going to stop you? Yeah, I do. And that was so it is odd. Okay. All right. I did remember that. And I was like, okay. Now he's the voice of reason telling he's doing the exact opposite of his character telling Piper or not. (laughs) He's like, wait, don't do that. Think rationally. Right. Um, and then he takes the blame. He takes the blame. He says, it's uh, it's actually my fault. And he wants to face Mr. America tonight. And uh, Vince adds a stipulation on this for some reason. He says that Vince says that if he loses, Piper is fired. So he really wants to get to the bottom of this Mr. America thing. Um, which Piper fired. I mean, he's been here for like three weeks. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like huge stakes here that Piper is, you know he's going to be fired like as if he's not going to be gone in two weeks anyway but you know i I do i'm with you i enjoy vince being absurd but that's like the only part of this i like the rest of this is just like it's it takes up so much of the show it's nobody in it is really entertaining except for vince at points yeah yeah because i mean when's the lie detector that's not does that already happen or that's, does that not happen? That's that's what we're building to here. Well, yes. that's what we see. That's going to be, that's going to, we'll see it in a minute. That's going to be the stipulation that he lays on Mr. America. Yeah. So that's where it's like, okay. 
And that's the best segment out of all of it because Vince is so off the wall of that, you know. Vince is off the rails with that. So this is kind of um, like this is getting there. Well, we're getting there. Don't worry. Cause, Hell yeah. Oh, good. We're here for this. I'm getting this is the number one story. Um, anyway, after that, what? Some some John Cena guy. He's going to have a match. It's going to be a, <laughs> against Spanky Brian Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, we get a more solemn, not solemn, but he seems like a little more serious. I mean, he's got the funny lines, but his attitude is very serious here from Cena. Um, mm-hmm. He's getting tired of Spanky. He said he's got an obsession with his ruthless aggression. Um, he says that all Spanky does is uh, argue. He must like arguing groups because all he does is masturbate. So, so. Cena for you. Uh, Spanky comes in hot with this, though, which he looks so into here. I kind of love it, like with his baggy shorts, like he's like right out of uh, like a Ring of Honor show uh, yeah. in 2003. But I, I love his fire. He always comes in like a insane man, like just coming right out of it. Cena fights out of that, though, is the early barrage. Hits a nice delayed vertical suplex. Kendrick gets a little enziguri to try and get have a shot, but uh, Cena finishes him pretty easily with a shoulder block and then an FU. So mm-hmm. that was a perfectly fine match. I mean, both guys did what they were supposed to do. I mean, I think you continue to build Kendrick as a maniac who's like has no fear of anyone. Yeah. Uh, but then Cena wins as he should because he's definitely the guy who's got more going on in a brighter future. And uh, so he's the right guy to win. So I ended up going a good solid two. It, it was effective in what it was meant to accomplish. I think I went to as well. And that's, a, you're absolutely right. I mean, this young whippersnapper, John Cena, I wonder if he ever comes, I wonder if he ever, anything ever happens with him. Uh, yeah, no, this is, it was so cool seeing, going back and seeing Cena as a heel and, and that <laughs> first, you know, that first iteration of him as a bad guy, I was like, Oh God, that was like, that was when John Cena was like, he was cool, you know? And I, I God dare I say I thought he was kind of he was kind of awesome back then, but he was um, just because he was different and it was something. And he has skills. <laughs> he has mm-hmm. skills as a rapper, right. so it's kind of like, true. oh, all right, you know. So uh, yeah, and then I mean, the first you think you're untouchable. I was like, oh, that's the word. That's the word. That's the word. Life music. I love that music. So I got all excited when I heard it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely benefited him to be like. Because at first he had the, I, I think this current version is like you. This is where you really start to see his potential. Because at first it was kind of like he was in the rap thing, but he had like Bull Buchanan with him. It was real goofy. He was just like yeah. a chicken shit heel. Now they've managed to move him where he's like a heel, and I think the Brock feud helped him a lot, like legitimize mm-hmm. him. Where now he's like a heel. He has the goofy rap, but you take him seriously. He doesn't just come off like a goon, which is yeah. good. I think it's the, you know, if they really have high hopes for him, that's the direction they need to go. Where they can kind of have their cake and eat it too. He can come do his rap, but you feel like he's and like in this match, like he should beat Brian Kendrick pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, Kendrick's good. He's done well, but you know, in the hierarchy, it, this result makes sense. So. Yeah, he's a he's a job of the stars. That's what that's what Brian Kendrick is at this point, and that's what he should be. So. Yeah, I can dig it. All right, Keith, we get some uh, stills from, you know, the secondary events of the pay-per-view, which is Brock beating Big Show in a stretcher match to retain mm-hmm. his title, um, which is, uh, as we talked about in the Judgment Day pod, a, a pleasant surprise of a match. Uh, it's one you maybe forget how how fun that match is, but uh, we then see the FBI. They're ready for Brock. They want to capitalize on him after he's weakened, after having a brutal match of the pay-per-view. 
And uh, I like I like uh, Johnny the Bull getting him mixed up. The whole conversation, he thinks they're talking about The Rock. And they're like, uh, no, you idiot. It's Brock, not The Rock. He's like, oh, yeah, the same guy. <laughs> so that was, that was funny enough. But uh, it, it does seem a little bit of a downgrade. I guess they're trying to figure out what Brock's going to do next. But he does seem – the FBI don't quite seem to be on his level for him to be mixing up with them. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean – Oof, this is like uh, <laughs> it, it it and I know I was just I know I was talking lovely about him earlier, but this is like when Daniel Bryan won the title and then his first like matches were against Kane. Like, right. What a what a drop off! Like what? So, uh, but I guess the FBI was trying to be a thing back then, and so I'm not gonna totally dump all over it, but uh, yeah, I guess it was kind of good that uh, you know they got that over with pretty quick. <laughs> right. Right, we head to uh, right on to our next match here. It's going to be a uh, Chris Benoit versus Matt Hardy, mm. um, a returning Rey Mysterio who uh, showed up in the stretcher matches here on commentary. Uh, tells us that he's uh, he's clear to get back in the ring. Our Matt facts are that Mac, Matt, sorry, easy for me to say. Matt likes his steak medium well. Um, mm-hmm. More of a medium rare guy. What do you, what about you, Keith? What's your steak um, preference? Yeah, medium rare. I mean, you know, I, I want to enjoy my taste of the of the steak. Yeah. Get yeah. your shit together, man, Hardy. Um, yeah. And then his other one is that he has more teeth than Chris Benoit. <laughs> this is a good one. Um, Which makes sense because Benoit comes out with the toothless aggression shirt on. So, right. Yeah. Uh, so Matt kind of does a little... Uh, they sort of do like a, not a test of strength, but kind of like where they're putting the hands together and he slaps Benoit's hand and starts cackling. Uh, but Benoit quickly grounds him, works on Matt's arm for a little while until the MFers crash and Shannon Moore swarm the ring. So that causes a distraction, gives Matt a bit of an advantage. I thought he had a nice little uh, string of moves here, like by Matt. He had the side effect, the neck breaker, hits a nice little leg drop. So a good mm-hmm. little barrage there. They hit a double clothesline, both are on the ground, but that uh, Benoit gets up first. He fires up, hits his Germans, hits the crossface. Uh, Hits a catapult to the uh, he hits a catapult to hit the top rope leg drop and uh, raid neutralizes the goons, which allows the crossface, which gets uh, Benoit to win. Um, Matt, Matt Hardy's record as the cruiserweight champion is not great. He loses quite a quite a few non, like uh, matches for being the cruiserweight champion, but good Chris yeah. match. Two guys who can go. Um, Benoit's in a weird spot. He's just kind of floating around right now. They don't really have anything for him to do. Um, We'll see what, what Matt's going to be up to. But, you know, this is, I mean, easy two and a half. I mean, these two guys are pros. You're going to get give them a few minutes and they'll make something out of it. I mean, even if it really wasn't of any, you know, we'll see the thing that comes up next. The next match is really what this was about. But two and a half, it was solid stuff. Yeah, two and a half was, two and a half is about what I went as well. Yeah, I think I went two and a half. Just, um, uh, it, it's funny. I don't ever really give quarters on anything, but I might go to 2.25. Just because, um, you know, the interference stuff kind of is irritating, you know, and then, but I did like how when Matt was going at the end there and, and then he turns it into, you know, he who shall not be named turns it into the uh, cross face. That was kind of cool. So I like that. Not a fan of the MF first Pete, uh, <laughs> Pete, you're not Pete. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I was more excited that one of them was crash Holly, but uh, Shannon Moore, I just remember. Shannon Moore just always, although it was good at the, well, that's coming up next, what happens, right, at the end of what happens afterwards, so I don't want to say anything. Right. 
<laughs> yet. Yeah. Spoiler so alert. We, we we transition right into Ray. Uh, Matt gets on the mic. I loved how like upset he was. He looked like he was about to cry. Like Matt already he's like, it's like you know what? You want to get a cruiserweight title shot? You're gonna have to beat uh, you have to beat Crash and Shannon together. So we go straight into a handicap match where it's gonna be Ray Mysterio versus Shannon Moore and Crash Holly. They kind of make it seem that they play up on commentary like Ray. You know, even though he's cleared to wrestle, he maybe wasn't planning for this. So. Um, but this is pretty fun for what it is because it's Rey Mysterio and he's he's yeah. fighting against these. He's kind of like the underdog against these two goons. Like so, he gets to hit these moves as he's kind of fighting off two guys. Uh, Shannon goes into the post. Uh, it's a sick uh, twisting rod on Crash Holly. That was a great one. Yeah. Um, but Ray starts taking a beating in this one too. He gets thrown to the post to hit him with a double flapjack, but he hits a double DDT to come back. Uh, Ray's selling the injury a little bit, but he does manage to uh, get Shannon Moore into the 619 position to the West Coast pop. And then we figure out this is elimination rules, apparently, which yeah. doesn't really even matter that much because he beats Crash about 10 seconds later with a Rana. So yeah. um, makes quick work of them. But again, it was a fun showcase for Ray and a good return for him to watch him come and beat these two guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, each of these guys can kind of sell Ray's offense pretty well, like like crash did with that Ron. I thought he did a good job. So, um, um, Ray gets, uh, carried out as he's kind of selling the injury here and Matt punishes his goons by, uh, beating their ass for, you know, losing the match. So yeah, we could see Ray's title shot on the horizon. So I went too. I thought it was solid again. Um, basically a squash, but they kind of did an interesting way by making it handicap and kind of giving Ray a reason to be the underdog. Yeah. No, two's two's probably good. I would say, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more than a glorified squash, so I would say two is fine. Oh, I was going to point out, during the Chris Benoit-Matt Hardy match, mm-hmm. Ray hit an awesome, like, twist of fate around the pole mm-hmm. on, I think it was on Shannon Moore, and it was, not twist of fate, uh, 619. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that was awesome. Like, he kind of, like, he grabbed the ringside and just, whoop, and, like, hit him, and I was like, oh, that was really cool. So I liked that a lot. That was, like, that was almost, like, moment of the night for me, you know? But yeah, he's, he's so he he's so slick, man. In this, I yeah. mean, he always is, but in this guy, he's he's yeah. so good. Like just watching the stuff he pulls off in there is just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ray maybe get, gets the cruiserweight title soon, which he should have. We'll see how it plays out. All right, we now go to a, uh, a sit down interview with. Uh, Zach Gowan, who's been presented to us as a fan, a protege of Mr. America, and he sits down with Stephanie McMahon for like a, uh, this is like a, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like a Good Morning America style interview or something, <laughs> yeah, like, yes. like a puff, puff piece, like, yeah, uh, like human interest. Hi, everybody. I'm Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> like, oh, God, <laughs> what is she doing? Right. Stephanie so at she's, this time hmm. trying to be the baby face general manager is like, it's so weird. It's like, it's so not her character. Right. She's such like a nice corporate, like here, that's what it is. It's like, uh, so Zach, tell us, uh, with like, uh, he's like, what? I, she also asked him like, so, um, <laughs> wait, what? Uh, how did you lose your leg? She just comes out of the <laughs> gate with it. Um, and he talks about who had this, uh, the specific type of cancer that he had mm. um and what he did uh he he the make a wish foundation came to him and said uh you know 
your dream is to meet Hulk Hogan. We can get you to meet him. But he declined because he said he was going to live. So he didn't need to make a wish. Um, his dream now is to become a superstar. Then they get into like his dad left him age four, like making him like this huge underdog, like, um, and like he's sticking around because he wants to become a, uh, a WWE superstar. He wants to be on SmackDown and stuff. And he's like, anything could happen in the WWE. So, um, it was very, it's weird. He kind of comes off like a mini, like soft-spoken Brock. Cause he has that same sort of like Midwestern accent. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like he's with Vince and Vince is so absurd, but then they're doing this where it's like building him as this like really earnest, like ultimate underdog that we're supposed to feel. It's just like a weird, the tone is like all over the place with this whole deal. (laughs) It's so goofy. (laughs) It's so goofy. Oh boy. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember what she asked him. She said, "Like, um, so, uh, do do you wear a prosthetic, or is it a, you know?" Like, she was like asking all these questions about his leg. Uh, it's so it's so weird. It's like so, it's almost like it's almost uncomfortable. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. almost like, uh, I don't think we should be talking about this. <laughs> like, seriously, Stephanie, let's stop. Um, right, and so then they they cut to Vince. He's watching it like on the TV, and he's furious that she's doing this like buff piece on Zach Gowan. Yeah. Um, he tells Mister America that if he loses tonight, he has to take a lie detector test. So there you go, uh, yeah. Keith. He's he says uh, Mister America declines. Vince calls him a coward, and Vince then throws this on the table that if he does not agree to the stipulation, Zach Gowan's dreams will be shattered, and he will never work in this business again. In WWE or anyone else, if uh, Hogan doesn't accept, uh, which makes Mr. America accept, but he calls Vince a son of a bitch. Uh, and then Vince goes into like this supreme Vince <laughs> rant where he's like, uh, You'll be proving a fraud, Hogan, a fraud, a fraud, like just ranting and raving like a lunatic. I like that he keeps calling him Hogan. Oh, excuse <laughs> me, Mr. America. Right, he's so indignant about it. He hates he's it so, so much. Uh, he's off the wall. Vince is off the wall. Ugh. Right, like, so you go from the Zach Gowan, like, with Stephanie, like, you know, this human interest piece, and it's Vince yelling, like, lie detector. Like, you, you go from Good Morning America, like, Jerry, to Maury Povich, like. Right. Lie uh, detector, Hogan. I got a lie detector, Hogan. You stupid jerk. <laughs> okay. You're a fraud. <laughs> So there we go. So big step on the uh, on the main event tonight. Yeah. All right. All right. So we we then go to Brock. He's be, so this is weird because he built it earlier like it's going to be a six man, and Brock even seems confused, but he doesn't come out with anybody. The FBI all jump in the ring as if they're all three going to be in the match, and then they settle with Johnny the Bull being the the sacrificial lamb here, and and Brock starts crushing him like you'd expect, um, but he gets thrown to the outside. The FBI get a few cheap shots on him that allows Johnny the Bull to get a little bit of offense. He mm-hmm. real lame offense. He gets like this shitty arm lock on him after throwing him into the post. Not great. Um, Brock uh, powers out of like picks him up and power bombs him. Uh, Brock's pop up after he like um, so he's got him like in the arm bar and Brock does the deal where you like pick him up out the arm bar and slam him. And yeah. I guess like the impact like Brock sells it. He pops up in the air like just to see that guy and the way he looks and then he's like popping up in the air like Rey Mysterio just 
It, it was insane. Like he looked like Rock when he saw the stunner. Like he popped off of that power bomb, flew oh, yeah. like eight feet in the air. Yeah, yep. And at that point, the crew run in for a DQ, and all I was thinking is like, I guess like you said, they're trying to position the FBI, but like, do we really need like a non-finish in a Brock versus Giant the Bull match? Like, just let Brock crush him. Like, what are we? Like, what's the point? Like. So that was kind of lame. Brock's impressive as usual, but he's just so far above this. I ended up going like, uh, I would start half just for Brock because he's awesome. But yeah, this was kind of lame. I mean, I think of it as it's funny because mm. Brock's still around. And you think, what would Brock today or even just Brock in the last 10 years do if this was the match? And it would have been, like you said, it would have been a squash mm. in 30 seconds. So it is kind of funny that they have somewhat of a match or you know the non-finish is like something it's it but it is so funny because that is just not what he would be doing in his next run with the company you know like once right. he comes back he's just a beast and uh no pun intended the beast incarnate but i mean it really is so yeah i would say um you said a star and a half um, yeah i guess i probably would i think i had a star i would probably stick with yeah. a star it's you know. it's in that in that realm for sure. Yeah. yeah, not much going on here. So, yeah, clearly we'll see where this goes. So they beat him down after we get the return of the Undertaker. So Undertaker's yeah. back. This so is this him, is the bigger spot for me was the return of the Undertaker. You know, right? Who's who's got the beef with the FBI from before? So you got that going on. But yeah, it's just it it just shows more there. And it the the Big Show match was like a pleasant surprise, but they're definitely struggling what to do with Brock right now. Like mm-hmm. his post mania life has been, you know, he's got the big show feud. Now he's messing with the FBI, like not a huge thing. I mean, and they have guys too. I guess they don't know how to position them. Like you have Benoit, but I guess that's not something they want to go with. And then Brock's face. So then it's weird spot where they don't know who to, who to be his contender. So they kind of have him floating around doing shit like this. Um, yeah, because I mean, the stuff with the Undertaker was the was 2002, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. What do you do with them at this point? Because I guess they're going to get to it eventually, you know. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see if Brock's going to be facing. Uh, it's going to be facing, you know, Nunzio. Yeah, Nunzio. <laughs> Nunzio at the pay per view. <laughs> right. All right, Sable makes her appearance here. Uh, she comes out, and uh, she goes after Taz here uh, for picking Tori because uh, there was some controversy because it was a bit of a split decision. Taz was the host, or the uh, judge, well, not the judge, but the host, and he gave it to Tori. Um, she starts acting seductive towards him, like pouring water on her boobs and everything, but then she pours the water on his head, and it says that his decision was premature, just like many things are for him. Don't you think I'm hot, Taz? Uh, and so he's super pissed at all this. Um, yeah, and she's showing the Raw magazine. It was just, I don't know, it's just a segment for Sable to come out and show her boobs a little bit. And, yeah. you know, I guess do yeah. more like heelish mind game sort of things and mess with Taz and hock the Raw magazine. Cole, Michael Cole is so, like, cringy when he's, like, oogling. The, like, it comes yeah. off so unnatural. It's like, oh, I've looked at that magazine. It's like, all right, settle down, Michael Cole. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I put this as waste of time. This is just a waste of time. I never, I it, never had it. I never thought Sable was anything to write home about anyway. Like I, even when she was like 
at her at her peak, I was just like, oh, okay, you know, she's just like way too manufactured looking for me. So, yeah, and it's I think she's done. She was okay in this role when it first started, like doing the whole like you know cougar thing. But they've kind of fell off of that, and it's like they don't even know where this is going anymore. So she just comes out to do yeah. whatever. Like I don't know, fuck with Taz. I don't really know what they're trying to do here. But mm. all right. So um, we'll see. This could be our match of the week here. We'll see if the if the in-ring work uh, is as good as our opener because we're at our main event. As we had Piper and Vince, they're hyping up O'Hare for this big match as Sean O'Hare is going to be facing Mr. America in the main event. So big spot for O'Hare, even though he's been just a lackey in this whole thing. Um, we get some some shoves, a few strikes. Uh, Piper's on the outside. He grabs Hogan's boot. That allows O'Hare to get a slam. We then go into like what felt like a 45-minute chin lock, uh, where they just sit in that for a while. Finally, Mr. America, um, I don't know, what can we call it? He America's up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. O'Hare yeah. comes back at him, hits a sidekick that doesn't do much. Mr. America kind of no-sells that. Piper grabs the leg again. And then before anything else could really happen, Vince comes out. He's got the police with him. The police look uh, confused. That's all this. And he tells him to arrest Zach Gowan for what he did um, at the pay-per-view for his assault. As he said earlier, he was assaulted by a handicapped kid, as he put it. And uh, <laughs> this was maybe my favorite Vince the whole thing. He's talking about Zach Gowan's kid. He goes, he's got a weapon. Get him. <laughs> Sorry, he's got Jack a weapon. <laughs> Point to the yeah. cane. Um, then Mr. America comes out because he's they start arresting Zach Cowan. He tries to, I thought he looked like an idiot, uh, idiot because, like, okay, have him run to the back, like he just ditches the match or something, but instead he starts getting counted out because Vince is like, count damn it. And so, but instead of like fully committing, he's like doing the thing where he's conflicted. He should have been yeah. conflicted in the ring because he gets counted out. He tries to get back in at the 10, it's too late, <laughs> he gets counted out. And O'Hare gets going, to win. What are you going to do, Hogan? What are you yeah. going to do? And what he's like looking do? back and forth like a goober. Like, yeah. And then like he decides to get back in at Tiff. Like, what do you accomplish? He accomplished nothing. Like, he didn't help Zach Gowan. He lost the match. So now, presumably, he's going to have to do a lie detector test. I, I gave the match half a star. I mean, the match is like nothing. I mean, the majority of it's like a chin lock and them shoving each other. It was all about the Vince shenanigans at the end. So, um, yeah, so, um, I, I, I actually gave it a dud. I thought it was so stupid, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. It was, it was very stupid. But the Vince stuff afterwards, 10 stars. <laughs> like Vince is so amazing at the end. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's like, my deal with this is like, I feel like it's, I would like it more if they committed more to the absurdity of it. It's like, they're not like Vince is the only one being like crazy enough where I could. And it's my issue is like too much focus. Like yeah. it's not absurd enough for me. Like I want it to be, if you're going to do it, do it. And maybe they're getting there with the lie detector test. Like Vince seemed like you keyed it up a little bit more in this episode with the cops and the lie detector tests and all this. Yeah. But then the weird thing is like, nobody else is really that ridiculous in it. Like, you know, we got the whole thing about Zach Gowan being like this underdog hero who had cancer. And then I guess they're building. So I don't know. But it my main issue is just too much focus on it. Like you, we need it's like half the show. 
You are kind of right, though. Like, it, it, they should have committed to everybody being nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Ho- I guess Hogan's kind of being nuts with the whole with the Mister America absurdity. But yeah, Vince is Vince is fully committed to being insane, and I think that's what's the best, you know. And like them trying to convince us, like that. You know, oh look, Zach Gowan, like he's this good kid. You are not going to convince me like Vince doesn't want him in here because he has one leg and he thinks it's funny that he has a one-legged guy in it. Oh god! Like they're trying to they're trying to be sincere about it, and it's just we like knowing Vince McMahon. He's like, yeah, we'll get the kid with one leg. It'll be ridiculous. Like it'll be the funniest so, thing this year if we get the kid with one leg. And then I well, can like see. them trying to be earnest is like I'm not buying it, guys. No. And the best part is, is you know that the the comment of he's got a weapon was like that was the first thing that Vince thought of. Right. <laughs> he's got a weapon. It's his cane. Like I'm surprised he didn't take the foot off, the leg off, and go, "This is a weapon, damn it." And then like poor Sean O'Hara is like the the last thing anyway. Like he's dead. And he's gonna be. He's never gonna get past this. He'll be. He gets no. nothing. He's yeah. just a pawn in this ridiculousness. Yeah. Like, at the very least, have Hogan get distracted and get rolled up by Sean O'Hare for a pin or something. You know, like, let him lose and actually lose. And then it continues the storyline. It doesn't hurt Hogan. I mean, nothing nothing hurts Hogan ever. But Hogan's always afraid that everything's going to hurt him. So it's like, okay. But whatever. Yeah, and so that's how we in the so you got your hook for next next episode, Keith. You got yep. the lie detector test to look forward to. So tune in to UPN. I'm excited. <laughs> tune in to UPN. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up SmackDown overall thoughts. I think despite that awesome tag at the beginning, I think just think there's way too even though some int- there's some funny Vincisms in there. It's like way too much Mr. America. And I just feel like there's too many guys here on SmackDown that I like, including Brock. They're just, like, not really doing a whole lot. Like, he had some kind of fun matches, and they're trying to build some stuff up array, but it just kind of feels like too many guys are going through the motions. Like, they need a little more focus to get this back together because it's just, like, Mr. America and then guys just doing kind of floating around. So I ended up going 4 out of 10. I thought that was kind of a below-average SmackDown. Um, Yeah, I, I think I went 5 out of 10 only because I feel the Vince stuff brought it up right. a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. I would I would agree with four out of ten as well. Like if I had to change it, you know, I would say, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and again, it is. It's so sad because there's so much there's so much talent on that show, and it really needs to it really needs somebody to kind of be like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. Right. So, yeah. And I feel like I say this every episode, but again, I feel like the Mister America stuff. If it wasn't so dominant. If it didn't take up so much of the show, like if it was just more like a crazy, like a zany Vince side angle. But right now it is presented as like the main attraction yeah. on SmackDown. Like, yeah, it's, it's over over their world champion who had the match of the year at WrestleMania and is seriously like the, the next big thing, you know? I mean, right. good Lord. Right. All right, so with that, uh, Keith, let's get to some awards here. Best match. I think this one's going to be easy. We're uh, we're both on that tag, I'm assuming. Yes, the tag match, absolutely. Um, best moment, I'm definitely going to go with, it's going to be something to do with Flair. I would probably either pick his, 
promo or the uh, the near fall when he hits Triple H with a belt. Either moment, but so it's something to do with Flair. Like pick your yeah. pick your best Flair moment. I had I had Flair's promo with Triple H, but I almost want to change it to the Shawn Michaels Flair promo mm-hmm. because just because seeing Flair's like lip quiver was like so cool, you know, like seeing him almost about to cry, like that was kind of really cool for me. So I'm gonna go with Flair and Shawn Michaels as that is my moment. All right, uh, best show. These are all gonna be related, so I think I'm going with Raw based on the Flair stuff. Yeah. Raw overall, yeah. And then mm-hmm. I cap it off. I'm gonna go my MVP. So you know, if you want to pick MVP for both for both shows combined, each show, but I would say overall, I'll give it to no shock here, Ric Flair. <laughs> if we're doing both shows, I'm gonna say Vince. But um, if we're <laughs> splitting, I would say Flair and then Vince. But if it's both shows, I'm going Vince. <laughs> he's he's nuts. Go. He's nuts, and it's so great. He's got a weapon. <laughs> I'm here to fix problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm upset okay. about mistakes, Stephanie. Yeah, I'm upset about mistakes. <laughs> it's so good. Um, LVP, I'm going to go with uh, everyone involved in that Steiner Lower Resistance match. I don't think anybody came out of that match looking good. They could be like Co 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 LVPs. I actually had Rico because I just thought it was oh, so God. stupid. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm leaving. Like it was. Like, <laughs> yes. God, fine. Like, oh no, please don't leave then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Willy Wonka, like, uh, no, yeah. wait, please don't go. Please, no, don't go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so with that, we we'll just pick some standout performers. Who Jav is like aside from our MVPs? Who are your standouts on these? <laughs> Um, I actually had, uh, like I had Kane and like Rob Van Dam. I had like John Cena. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, jo- I mean, Brock Lesnar, just, uh, you know, especially when you were talking about just like the pop-up from that, you know, from the, like, and then of course, I mean, you could add, I, I mean, I, I, because I gave them the match of the night, I didn't want to say like Eddie Tajiri and the world's mm-hmm. greatest tag team, but I mean, those guys together and everything. Right. And then also like Jericho. Pretty much everybody in that tag match, with the exception of Christian, just because he was wrestling in street clothes. But, uh, you know, I thought those guys, and then, uh, I mean, dare I say Benoit, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'll say him as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie for sure. I've been tracking on these, but I feel like you started to see Eddie, like his star is... Like, he's really starting to stand out, especially now that SmackDown's kind of been, you know, it's kind of tapered off. It's not super hot every week. Like, he always stands out on these just with his charisma and his end ring. Is, uh, like, he was just excellent in that match. Like, yeah. that uh, that double, that uh, that Rana wrist track thing he did was just yeah. absurd. But, yeah. Yep, some good ones. They're, they got some good stuff going. They just got to, the talent's there, but... We'll see. Um, all right. Well, that, that kind of wraps us up for this one. Uh, Keith, tell us what you have. Tell us about uh, your podcast. So 
<clears throat> There's a couple of different ones that I'm on. Uh, my soul, well, not really solo because I do it with a guest co-host every week. Mm-hmm. But it's a la carte with Keithy. That's on the North South Connection. Uh, comes mm-hmm. out every other Friday, and on that one, we kind of just we talk about just different various pulp culture things that pop into my head. So we we play a couple different games. We have a couple different segments. You know, music, television, movies, sports. Um, all the whole gamut. Uh, it's not really wrestling related, but wrestling kind of rears its ugly head in there every now and then. So, uh, the next one, um, I'm probably when this is dropped, it will be episode seven, I believe. And that'll be, uh, that'll be a fun episode. Uh, I'm going to be, my guest host for that one is going to be Logan, Logan Crosland. So, uh, yeah, I hope everybody checks it out. And then, of course, you can always hear me on GFA Live with PD every week. And that's on uh, his own individual feed. So you can pick that up. It's through the Greetings from Allentown feed. And uh, you can hear me all over the North-South Connection and Place to Be Nation. So, yeah. But thank you for having me on. This was great. It was no a problem. wonderful nostalgia trip down memory lane for me. So. Get ready for the lie detector test. <laughs> hope you're ready. I am. I'm excited. <laughs> Everybody check out Keith's stuff. He's been uh, taking the podcast by storm. He's uh, killing it. So good oh, on thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, check out everything we have here on the North-South Connection, everything else as well. We have any kind of wrestling you want, a few pop culture things, and, uh, yeah, video, audio, whatever you want. I, I'm old school. Still got just the audio. No video for me. No one's seen my face. But um, yeah, thanks for joining me. Uh, <laughs> I, I always say I have, I have a face for radio, so. Um, but anyway, we'll be back in a couple weeks to uh, continue this trek and see to get the results of that lie detector test. So be sure to tune in. We'll be back with that. So don't touch the dial. We'll see you next time on the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast.
on Market Square She's standing in her underwear Looking down from a hotel room The nightfall will be coming soon Oh my my, oh hell yes You got 